So because um, we've been on a Being With series for the, since the start of September, uh, I could have went back to it because Advent, Emmanuel, God with us, don't miss what Gillian has, uh, has, has put at the front of the church. That takes us into that Being With Us Advent time. So I thought, I'm not going to go back to the lectionary. I'm going to do my greatest hits in Christmas. Um, uh, I love this season, but I didn't always. I can remember, and I'm remembering it vividly as I tell you this. I'm in first antrum, I'm in the pulpit, I'm sitting behind John Dixon, who was leading the service, but I'm doing the kind of the Christmas deal the Sunday before Christmas and I can remember sitting behind him and it was great you used to the pulpit then why I don't have one here is that uh, you just had a wee seat you were able to put your feet up you were able to do all kinds of things while John did the rest of the service and I remember he was doing the service I was about to speak and I thought it was 1986 and I thought is there 41 more of these to go before I retire the same sermon every Christmas Sunday Till I retire. Might have been why I went to youth development and chaplaincy for 18 years, because that sermon 41 times, how dull is Christmas? And then maybe 10 years later, I discovered that this is my very favorite time of the year and that actually four weeks of Advent can hardly cram in the excitement of what happens in this manger scene that we have so wonderfully behind us this morning. I realized that the Advent had been hijacked by seven-year-old children with tea towels on their head and all those nativity plays that were so inane and bland and no offense to my own children, but those wee sparkly angel wings that you give six-year-old children and it's so lovely that we'd really had it stolen from us not hijacked because that might be too strong a word but certainly domesticated and certainly papered over the wonder of Christmas so I had and I don't think they're in the house this morning so that might make it easier to say this or maybe more difficult to say this because um, I don't think they're in the house I had this uh, email discussion with a member of the congregation this week about Christmas and they said well as Steve Turner's poem puts it Christmas is really for the children. You can see me in the office just getting more and more angry and thinking, I like Steve Turner. He's a great guy. What was he thinking? And I went to my shelf and I got the poetry book down and I read it to you. Steve Turner. Now, I meant to email him or Facebook him last night and say, Steve, I'm going to destroy you in the sermon in the morning. Would, you know, like they do in The View, would you like, an, or the Spotlight series, would you like to make a statement? But I'll maybe do it afterwards. But here's what he wrote way back in the day. I believe that even Steve had been hijacked by eight-year-olds with tea towels on their heads. Maybe that was the case. He says, Christmas is really for the children. Especially for children who like animals and stables and stars and babies wrapped in swaddling clothes. Then there are the wise men, kings in fine robes, humble shepherds and a hint of perfume. Easter is not really for the children, unless accompanied by a cream-filled egg. 
It has whips, blood, nails, a spear, allegations of body snatching. It involves politics, God, and the sins of the world. It is not, for good pe- it's not good for people of a nervous disposition. They would do better to think on rabbits and chickens and the first snowdrops of spring. Or they'd do better to wait for a rerun of Christmas without asking too many questions about what Jesus did when he grew up or whether there's any connection. Now here's the thing, Steve Turner. Not only is Christmas not for children, but it's also full of connections. We read from Matthew chapter 2. Elmer read it well. At the end of it I thought, is the next song going to be able to handle the mood that we now have in church because of what we read in Matthew chapter 2 and the first verses of it. The nativity scene. This is dark literature. This is disconcerting stuff. It's frightening. We have the religious leaders getting to know where Jesus is. Good news, let's go and celebrate and have a worship service. No, no. Let's go and try and kill him. We have a king whose throne is shuddering at the very birth of this baby. We have death squads in the streets of Bethlehem killing children under two years of age. We have God as a baby in his mother and father's arms running like refugee to Egypt. And if we've seen, as we have in the last five or six years, refugee footage and television, that is not for children's viewing. The nativity scene, at least a good bit of it, should come with a parental warning. Not Christmas is for the children. The justice of God, the love of God, let me get it right, Katie, the Peace, the joy, and the hope of God arrives into bloody violence and oppressive injustice. It is not, not, not for the children. It's World AIDS Day today and the first day of Advent. And never is that a better marriage. When World AIDS Day, 1st of December, falls on a Sunday and we start Advent, we have the love, the peace, the joy, and the hope of God coming into a world that is broken and fallen and ill and unjust. That's the image we need. Not of a lovely children's kind of cleaned up, papered stall but the reality of the day that Jesus was born into and the days that we live in ourselves got to be careful because there might be people in the house that sent me this invitation I'm sure they are but uh, I got an invitation to the Stranmillis Carl service and very nice and thank you for the invitation but it reminded me of when I wrote this poem to mish or mash or do whatever we do with Steve Turner's. 
my assistant chaplain, Lynn, had just been to the funeral of one of our students' fiancés. She was probably the girl that was engaged earliest in Fitzroy or in Deravolgi when I lived there, and she was certainly the only girl in my time who lost her boyfriend, never mind fiancé, in a car crash the week before Christmas, two weeks before Christmas. So we'd been to this funeral, and it was pretty bleak. And then we got to the Stranmillis College choral service, and it was for the children. It was lovely. And I remember Lynn and I trying to work out the two things. The fallenness of our world and nine lovely lessons, lessons in carols that did that night seem to go on for us, but that was probably the situation we were in. And I was thinking the whole way through it, where is the reality? Seamlessly sown creedal conclusions safe and sanitized solutions, out-of-context texts for every question, all lamenting psalms put out of use, in suits and ties and hats and Sunday smiles, for God's sake, give us some reality. Murderous mayhem on London Bridge. Homeless people in the streets around us, not valued and not valuing themselves. Many people across the world living with the stigma or dying of HIV AIDS. Tensions between North Korea and Japan, landslides washing away villages in Kenya, the UK in turmoil over Brexit, storm at not meeting, and tensions in East Belfast. For God's sake, Give us some reality. A seasonally well-decorated stable, freshly shard cattle and perfumed straw. A carpenter with extramural skills in midwifery. Westminster Confession signing stargazing mystics. <laughs> A perfect little baby. No crying he makes. For God's sake. Give us some reality. A teenage girl screams, piercing the night. A baby laid in an infested animal stall. God, vulnerable and homeless. Death squads descending in the dawn's first light. From where refugees risk their lives escaping hell. For God's sake, born into the midst of our reality. This is not for children. Neither is it disconnected. <coughs> Excuse me, the, the uh, Turner poem says, or they do better to wait for a rerun of Christmas without asking too many questions about what Jesus did when he grew up and whether there's any connections. There are connections in this scene and what happens after this scene in the first few chapters of the Gospels. I believe the connections are so thorough, robust, and deep that there's nothing that Jesus says and does in the rest of the Gospels that you cannot find 
in these Advent chapters. The Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, the poor, the peacemakers. It's all there. It's all there in the scene. Oh, you might even have looked at it in those Christmas cards for years and not seen that everything Jesus is about to teach and do and say is right there. Love your enemies. The humility of washing disciples' feet, it's all there. The clash of wealth and poverty and power and humility, it's all there. Finding Jesus in the least of these, it's all there. Self-sacrifice and cross-carrying, it's all there. The God of the manger, the donkey and the cross is alive and well in our nativity scenes. We need to be still. And we need to know that even the shadow of the cross is not only there, but nearly happens there. As the powers of the days that Jesus was born go after him in the ways that the powers go after him on the day that he dies, when he finds himself in the midst of Pilate and the, uh, the chief Pharisee and Herod's court, it all starts in this scene when Herod goes after the newly born Christ. The connections are so tight. So tight. I was the innocent lost without any reason. In the future they'll call this the family season. But I was ripped from my mother's arms. My head was torn from my shoulders. No chance of becoming something. No chance of growing older. And I guess I died for him. So that he could be free. I guess I died in place of him. I wonder if he would die for me. There was blood on the streets. There was tears across the nation. There was wailing in Bethlehem for God to give an explanation. And I'm a dead bundle of skin and bones. Nothing left of me but the morning. But a mother escapes a refugee. An angel came with a warning. So I guess I died in place of him. So that he could be free. I guess I died in place of him. I wonder if he'd die for me. Oh yeah, this is not for children. And oh yeah, all the connections are there. So what? Well, here's what I want us to do. For the next four weeks, as we see these candles lit, I want us to be still and know the God of the manger. Not the cross. It's gone for a while. Because there's plenty for us to be doing in these pages of the Gospels before the cross comes back. Oh, the cross will be the shadow of it all. But we need to not rush ourselves to the cross. Can I remind you of that Milan Kundura quote that I do read often? I do uh, apologize. A root diff route, Betsy. Route, American friends. A route 
a route differ, differs from a road not only because it is solely intended for vehicles, but also because it is merely a line that connect, connects one point and another. A route, route, has no meaning in itself. Its meaning derives entirely from the two points that it connects. A road, Fitzroy. Malan Kandura explains that a road is a tribute to space. Every stretch of road has meaning in itself and invites us to stop. A route or a route is the triumphant devaluation of space, which thinks uh, to has reduced a mere obstacle to human movement and a waste of time. A road, Fitzroy. A road is a tribute to space. Every stretch of road has meaning in itself and invites us to stop. So at Advent, let's not take the quickest route, the quickest point to the cross. Let's take the road to the cross. Let's start in the manger scene. And let's walk our way through the roads of Galilee and Judea. And let's get to Jerusalem a little bit later because the road invites us to stop and be still in every scene and find God. So in this Advent, with a mayhem, every time you're in a traffic jam, I want my face to appear on your shoulder and a whisper, be still in the madness. Every time you're thinking, why did I not do my shopping in August? Want my face to appear on your shoulder. Be still and know that I am God. In all the madness of this season, can we as a congregation begin to find the connections between this Advent scene and everything that Jesus says and does? And may we make sure that we don't blaspheme so much that we suggest that this is only for the children. Let's pray together. Our God, we thank you that you became one of us. Emmanuel with us. We thank you that love came down. And we thank you for the richness of these Advent chapters in the Gospels. And we pray that for these next weeks in Advent, that we as your followers would stop on the road right there at your birth and take in all that you would tell us about God and all that you would tell us about ourselves. Help us to discipline ourselves in this Advent season to be still and know that you're God. Amen.